This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Facing Evil, a production of iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show and do not represent those of iHeartRadio or Tenderfoot TV. This podcast contains subject matter which may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Facing Evil. I'm Rasha Pecorero. And I'm Yvette Gentile, and today we're talking about the case of Dorothy Stratton. Y'all might know about this one because it was a big story when it happened back in the 80s. Yes, I remember this case. Dorothy's case even inspired multiple movies, including the 1981 movie Death of a Centerfold, the Dorothy Stratton story, starring Jamie Lee Curtis. And there were also numerous songs that were written about the case, including Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, personal favorite of mine, and The Best Was Yet to Come by Brian Adams. Yeah, I so remember all those songs. But we also have to remember that Dorothy, she was an actress and a Playboy model who dealt with abuse at the hands of her controlling husband, who she was estranged from at the time. And sadly, the story ends in her tragic murder. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. And today we want to use Dorothy's story as a jumping off point to talk about intimate partner violence and why it's so prevalent. But first, our producer Trevor is going to take us through today's case. After catching the eye of iconic mogul Hugh Hefner, she was crowned 1980 Playmate of the Year. She never felt that there was any danger in in anything with Paul Snyder. He pushed her to marry him. She, I don't think, really wanted to. She was the meal ticket, but he was afraid that he could lose her, which he did. Dorothy Stratton was a 20-year-old actress and Playboy model who was killed by her husband in 1980 in Los Angeles. Dorothy grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia, and while in high school, she met a man named Paul Snyder. Snyder was a successful promoter for car shows, but he soon took to less than legitimate ways to make money, namely pimping. In the summer of 1978, Snyder had a professional photographer take nude photos of then 18-year-old Dorothy and send them to Playboy for the great playmate hunt of 1978. Dorothy was chosen as a finalist, and so she and Paul Snyder moved together to Los Angeles, California. The following year, they got married in Las Vegas. At the time, she was 19 and he was 28. Dorothy eventually became Playboy's Miss August 1979, 
and started to work as a Playboy bunny. Hugh Hefner decided that Dorothy should act and got her roles in episodes of Fantasy Island and Buck Rogers. Meanwhile, Snyder became her chauffeur, manager, and acting coach. The two reportedly argued daily, often leading to verbal and physical escalation. Roseanne Caton, a fellow playmate, warned Dorothy to leave Snyder. Hefner also tried to get Dorothy away from Snyder, calling him, quote, a hustler and a pimp. In March of 1980, Dorothy landed a role in the film They All Laughed, a romantic comedy written and directed by Peter Bogdanovich. And then, Dorothy began an affair with Bogdanovich. While filming in New York, she wrote to Snyder, asking him for more freedom in their marriage. But Snyder called her and flew into a rage. And then, when Dorothy was on a tour stop in Vancouver, Snyder flew into town and convinced Dorothy to make nightclub appearances, instead of fulfilling her playboy duties. Snyder then pocketed all the money she made from the appearances and disappeared. In June of 1980, Dorothy sent Snyder a letter announcing they were separating. In response, Snyder emptied their bank account and started an affair with an old girlfriend. He also sold off Dorothy's Playmate of the Year prizes. In July, Snyder obtained a gun, and he camped outside Bogdanovich's house, with the goal of confronting Dorothy and the director when they came home. But after hours of waiting, he finally gave up and left. And then, on August 14th, Dorothy told Snyder she would come by his house to give him some settlement money. Her business manager had told her she should let her lawyer deal with Snyder, but Dorothy refused the advice and insisted that she deal with him personally, saying, quote, I'd like to remain his friend. When Dorothy arrived at Snyder's house, his roommates had left for the day. The two spent some time in the living room before they went back to the bedroom. About an hour later, Snyder shot Dorothy. And an hour after that, he shot himself. The story was a major tabloid sensation. When interviewed, Hefner said, quote, a very sick guy saw his meal ticket and his connection to power or whatever slipping away, and it was that that made him kill her." End quote. And so, how does the case of Dorothy Stratton reveal a bigger issue of intimate partner violence and its prevalence in American culture? Well, welcome back to Facing Evil. So the issue of intimate partner abuse, of course, is a huge issue that we've talked about many times um, on our podcast. And Dorothy Stratton is just one of millions of people who have dealt with violence at the hands of a partner. So today we are so honored and humbled to welcome an amazing expert on this issue. And that is Dr. Yun Kog Cho. And Dr. Cho is an associate professor at Michigan State University's College of Social Science. He's published numerous studies and journals on the issues of intimate partner violence. So Dr. Cho, welcome, e como mai, to Facing Evil. Thanks for having me. It's my great pleasure. We're honored. Uh, thank you so you much, Dr. Cho, for being here. We're going to start, first of all, if you could tell us how you got into this work, you know, and in particularly, what brought you to the issue of intimate partner violence? Yes, I can share some of my stories. So 
Probably the, my first memory of witnessing paternal violence was when I was very little uh, in Korea, so where mm. I came from. So probably I was like five years old or six. And at the time, it's the uh, 1960s, early 70s. So it was not that uncommon uh, in Korea at the time. Like seeing like a drunken, angry man uh, dragging around uh, seemingly their wives on the street and beating them mm -hmm. and yelling at them. So I felt very bad, but I don't remember like the, uh, any person actually stepped in to stop it. Mm -hmm. Either they were afraid of um, being harassed themselves or I don't know, but that's revoked the memory. But a little more recent one is like the... A couple of my uh, friends, a uh, female friend from my college, uh, shared with me uh, their experiences of uh, they are like hit by their partners or actually their husbands. Mm. So they are highly educated and intelligent and very capable, but still they were victimized. So I was very uh, perplexed and I wanted to know more. So it's about the same time I plan to go into a PhD program in the social work. So it's kind of um, the, the good match for me to be interested in the topic, and I wrote uh, my dissertation about it. Wow. wow, so it was very personal to you, starting from the time you were a child, and then as you started to grow up. Yes, yes it is. I'm thankful for you <laughs> because I've never had the opportunity to speak to an expert on intimate partner violence or expert of, of any kind on abuse. And I, I know that intimate partner violence doesn't only happen between couples, right? Like it happens whether, you know, a parent is abusing a child or even adults, you know, sadly abusing their elderly parents. But can you tell us a little bit more like how diverse this issue really is? Like it's not just, you know, between a man and a woman, right? Right, right. So you are correct when you mentioned like a lot of different types of violence happening between family members as well as like the caregivers even for like elderly abuse or even children right. can be abused or maltreated by uh, their teachers like that. Right. So it's very diverse. and. The many research consistently shows that uh, IPB is observed from every group, every community, every place of imaginable. Yeah. So regardless of gender or sexual orientation or age or um, race and ethnicity and community types. Also, like the partner violence doesn't happen only against women. Mm -hmm. So men also suffer from partner violence. Yeah. But the numbers and the characteristics of violence experienced are somewhat different between men and women. So for instance, like the Russia, you just mentioned a lot of different forms of violence, including physical right. abuse, emotional abuse, or psychological uh, aggression or manipulation, controlling behaviors, mm -hmm. obsessively limiting uh, uh, where you are and whom to talk to, yeah. and uh, of course, sexual assault and rape. Yes. All different types of violence are out there. And among those types of violence, women are reported more like sexual assault and severe levels of physical violence. Mm -hmm. For instance, like beaten up or like the repeated uh, hit 
by um, weapons mm. like that. Right. And sexual assault is predominantly against the women. Men reported a little bit comparable uh, number and percentages of mm-hmm. uh, psychological aggression. So it can be called like emotional abuse or manipulation, controlling behaviors. Right. They seem right. to be comparable between uh, men and women. Yeah. And one uh, significant difference between men and women uh, is the negative consequences of violence on their health. So women reported way severe levels of injury, Mm -hmm. like uh, broken bones or fracture or heavy bruises compared to men. So they are like certain differences between men and women, but still uh, we cannot um, argue against that. So they are out there. Right. Can't discount it. Right. Mm -hmm. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare do you dream of a healthier life but education feels out of reach trinity school of natural health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. So, you know, another question, Dr. Cho, I mean, what are the most common stories that you hear about? Um, you know, for instance, we we are talking about Dorothy Stratton, who was a very famous model, you know, Playboy model in the 80s, and she was killed by her controlling, abusive husband. Um, do you think there's a difference between fame and power, money, what are the most common stories that you hear about these behaviors? Yeah, I believe that's the hard question to answer mm-hmm. because we just like discussed how diverse IPV is. So like yeah. picking up very common story among all those diversities are hard question. But at this time, we can share like a couple of different types of stories that we are consistently uh, watch. So we are talking about subgroups of uh, all different types of experience. So like the, there are many uh, scholars try hard to create some manageable number of subgroups, right. two or three types of all IPB based on their similarities. So one of them uh, was created by uh, Dr. Johnson. Uh, I believe he was a sociology professor at Penn State. So he created like three different types of uh, partner violence. 
First one is probably similar to the case you just referred. Mm. He called it as a domestic terrorism. Mm. So mm. one partner having a lot more power and resources compared to other partner, and they use their enormous uh, advantage in terms of power to control another partner, including uh, violence. Mm. So he observed like that kind of violence. Uh, predominantly committed by men against women. I see. So about, according to his observation, about 15 to 20% of partner violence may be classified into that form of domestic terrorism. Okay, mm. okay. That might be one story, maybe very close to the case we are talking about today. Yeah. Another uh, form is he called it like a situational partner violence or situational couple violence. So in terms of severity or frequency or uh, consequences, it's a little less severe compared to domestic terrorism we just discussed. So less severe levels of physical violence. Like, so instead of like using knife or weapon or beating, like pushing, mm. like it's frequently used or like mm. throwing mm. a pillow against your partner uh, over some disagreement or dispute or some conflict. Less severe. So men and women can use such uh, violence occasionally, not frequently. So that's why it's called situational. So if they are intoxicated or mm. under like the, uh, some heavy stress from mm. like childcare or like employment or COVID, right. then under the high pressure, they might rely on violence to resolve or express their uh, discomfort or frustration. So they're called like a situational couple violence. So in terms of a number, um, about half or more of a partner mm. violence may be viewed as a dead type. Mm -hmm. So involving less severe violence, but still very serious in terms of consequences. Of but uh, men and women may involve in a little pretty even uh, percentages. And another like the type of a violence um, conjured up by uh, Dr. Johnson is called uh, violent resistance which means like involving self-defense. Ah. So for instance, uh, police was called into the domestic violence scene and they found both partners involved in some kind of physical confrontation and use of violence. So they arrested both of them. But later on, they found actually one partner reacted against like the violence, physical force perpetrated by another partner, but uh, police uh, didn't have much time to uh, tell the difference between whomever like initiated violence and whom uh, defend themselves against violence. So they are the types of violence, and in terms of number, about 20%, 25% of partner violence probably classified them. But still, uh, regardless of forms of partner violence, the negative consequences in terms of health yeah. and social yes. function yeah. onto survivors or victims, very severe, very yes. serious. So we have yeah. to treat yeah. all forms yeah. of partner violence very seriously. Yeah, it's all trauma, right? Like it's, yeah, it's trauma. all trauma. Yeah, in whatever form. Speaking along those lines with psychology, this is something, it's interesting, right? Like I think hurt people hurt people. 
Right. And that's the term, you know, we've been told and here at Facing Evil, we're much more about the like, how do you heal from that? And like, I thankfully have never repeated any of the abuse that has been done to me. You know, our mom never repeated it to to us. And, you know, but that didn't happen for my dad in particular, or I don't know what Dorothy Stratton's estranged husband, what he went through before he, you know, did horrible things to Dorothy or anyone. But why do you think sociologically or psychologically, like, why do these people feel the need, these abusers, like, why do they need to control, manipulate or harm these people that they love? Like, I know, again, <laughs> I'm sure it's a wide you know, variety of answers, but from a scientific standpoint, what do you think? <laughs> if I can be overly simplistic, Please. then the answer is because they can. Right. They can use violence without any restriction, mm. either like their uh, partner being abused, uh, didn't have uh, much power uh, than them. So mm. they feel free to do whatever they want. Right. And society or neighbors or even authorities didn't see them as serious. Right. Or even like use some form of violence and conceive that as some kind of expression of love or another form of some loving relationship. Right. Different, but uh, private matter that we don't have it to step in. So because of such a, like a little bit leniency in terms of social acceptance yeah. of violence, also like the victim shaming culture. Oh, yes. So when, when we are in pain, then it's natural for us to talk to somebody uh, to feel better and to uh, seek for some help. Mm -hmm. and, but uh, if I, we share something, then what if my friend or parents or teachers say, no, 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 no. So what did you right. do? So and where shame. were you there? Right. And mm -hmm. if they have a repeated experience like that, then we internalize that process of uh, shaming as if we actually involve in very shameful activities. So we just uh, never uh, seek help ever again. So because of such a social environment, perpetrator may feel uh, free. Wow. That's like one uh, interpretation and explanation. Another one is like the little like a feminist uh, take mm. is like a power and control mechanism, they, what they call it. So it's very similar to, again, the case we are talking about. Yeah. Right. So if one partner have enormous uh, fame and power, uh, not comparable to the other partner, then this partner use their power to control another partner's behavior, perception for their gain to their advantage. That makes yeah. sense. 100%. Yeah, historically, like men uh, seem to possess much more power compared to women. So that's why like the most of uh, very severe level of violence actually perpetrated by men because they had uh, more power over uh, women. Right. At the same time, uh, we cannot uh, ignore like the presence of other types of partner violence. Yes, yes. Men also suffered from partner violence. And some famous like male actor actually sexually assaulted uh, another male actor right. or actors, so allegedly. So it can happen to whatever a relationship, not only for men and women or a heterosexual mm -hmm. or uh, same sex, it can happen there. Then probably like power and control can be or cannot be applied. 
I feel like this is a therapy session, Dr. Joe. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Another theory may be based on like the some group of people may don't have like good conflict resolution skills. Right. So conflict is natural. So it can happen between any partners because we are different from each other. But uh, some persons or some group of people do not have a good exposure to the healthy way of uh, conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. So either they were raised in very violent community, then the only viable option for them to (laughs) achieve something is use of violence. Right. And when they observed that, like kind of gang affiliation, like some uh, motivation for youth in impoverished community as a very few way to go up to the like hierarchical social structure. So that might be another theory. So it's very hard to choose one or two, but I'm just giving you some choices (laughs) of theories. Right, which we appreciate. Yeah. (laughs) We're learning. Yeah, Yeah, very much so. I mean, we know how prevalent, you know, intimate partner violence is, especially here in America, and we know the numbers are quite high. Do you know, is it higher in other countries compared to here? May or may not. So it depends on which country uh, we are comparing us uh, with. Mm. So like uh, United Nations released like the formal report about uh, partner violence prevalence across the globe. And according to recent report, United States uh, showed like comparable numbers across like the developed countries. Mm. So I mentioned I came from Korea. So I know the numbers are pretty pretty similar between Korea and um, United States. But compared to like the like underdeveloped countries or far remote countries, uh, like for instance, UN identified 10 uh, countries that show the highest uh, prevalence of uh, partner oh. violence. So a couple of African countries, oh, really? for instance, uh, Congo or Liberia included in the list. And a couple of Pacific Island nations, including Papua New Guinea or Solomon Islands, mm-hmm. also show like about half of the population reported some form of violence. Wow. So we don't know for sure why. It may be because like the male patriarchy mm-hmm, may be stronger yeah. there or there may be some religious influence if uh, any religion or social norms or community values um, socialize community members into certain expectation. Mm. Certain group of people mm. can use violence whereas another group of people just have to suffer for some something. The United States not the worst, or we cannot say worse than most of the countries, but yeah. uh, very severe in terms of number and percentage. So let me give you a number. Okay. So annually, uh, we know that about 6% of all adult women, so in terms of numbers, about 7 million reported experience some form of sexual violence, physical abuse, and stalking. Wow. And a little smaller number for men, but still about 6 million adult men age 18 or over also reported physical violence and stalking uh, victimization. Again, there are differences. So women reported more sexual violence and stalking, whereas uh, men reported similar levels of psychological abuse. But still very very high. high. 
Yeah. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Dr. Cho, like you you spoke earlier about shame, right? And like, and just sharing from my own experience, like I didn't tell a soul that I was physically, verbally, and emotionally abused until I was 21 years old. And that was because that last time I almost died. And I think I kind of like flipped and I'm like, oh, I I can't not tell everyone. And, you know, but I didn't press charges. I didn't report it out of shame. Just by you saying all that, like I can only imagine what it's like in all these other countries where culturally maybe they're not supposed to report it. Right. And and probably they're they don't have the resources as well, right? I think this is probably the the most important question. How do we break the cycle? I believe like making our society egalitarian and more diverse and inclusive and equitable mm. is the probably the most important thing we have to pursue. But it's a long-term goal, right? We cannot expect like our society to change overnight. Okay, all women are like equal to and we have to pay equal amount of money to regardless of their gender, sexual orientation. We cannot expect that, but still we have to try hard. So, and another area that we can um, make effort is education. Yes. Uh, so let them know. So it's, it's much better if we can start early yes. because the norms, values about healthy relationship or like the how bad it is to rely on violence, it can be educated or it can be socialized at the very early on, then we can keep that lesson and values all our lifetime. So like the about the nature of violence or what what would be the healthy relationship look like? And what can be done if you witness something going on or your friend share this thing is going on or your friend said nothing but you felt something different, not, uh, not questioning them or not intimidating them, not overly charged way. So that, that kind of education training can be done very early on. 
because like repetition is the key also education because we can be forgetful and uh, as we live on uh, we are exposed to all different types of environment and probably one lesson we took from early education may not be suitable for another situation like workplace harassment is very different from like dating violence at school or campus. So we need like a continuous uh, education of a training. And of course, we need a resource to keep that education going on. Yes. Some of you mentioned like the nobody did anything or I, I mentioned that, right? Mm-hmm. So I witnessed the pattern of violence. Yeah. Um, most of us that don't know how to involve in that uh, situation. Either we are very afraid of we can be another victim or we know both partners, so we don't know how to tell them. So bystander intervention is one of the most effective way to combat uh, ever-going present partner violence. We should know how to intervene into uh, partner violence, either shared one or uh, happening in front of us. So that kind of education training also the key. And probably like the, every of us should know something about partner violence, how to talk to, or if your friend share, then how to listen to, how to respect, and not question, mm. not challenging, just the trust and believe, and how to support. Not shaming. Yeah, not shaming. And mm-hmm. let them feel supported. So... So beautiful. You have laid it all out for us, Dr. Cho. We so appreciate your expertise, your knowledge, your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your story, you know, from when you were younger, because a lot of times it's so personal to us, you know, why we end up where we are. And Rasha and I, you know, here on Facing Evil is very personal story of how we got here. And we just want to share with people, you know, resources on how you can overcome and move onward and upward. Mahalo nui loa from the bottom of our heart. Yeah, it is, it is my honor and pleasure to be here. So, and I'm really thankful for Lasha uh, for sharing uh, the uh, painful story. Oh, and let, you, us, let us just uh, part of your story and uh, listen to some of your other podcasts. So wow. I really appreciate your effort to make uh, this kind of like violence victimization, like insightful stories about it. So let us know, let the public know about the stories about it, the sufferings and some potential ways to fight against it. So I'm really grateful for you to do this job. Oh, Dr. Cho, thank thank you. you. That's exactly why we're doing this. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you so much. It's my great (laughs) pleasure. I hope to see you again. For today's message of hope and healing, our Imua goes out to the bright, shining light of a human that Dorothy Stratton was. Dorothy was kind, talented, loving, and a self-proclaimed curious soul. We never got to see Dorothy blossom into her full potential, but the beauty and the raw talent she shared with the world will linger on forever. The light in the darkness of Dorothy's story has inspired so many other survivors of domestic violence to finally break free. We want all who are suffering to be heard. We should all follow the advice of the National Domestic Violence Hotline. 
If you see something, say something. Domestic violence thrives in silence. And if you or someone you know needs help, please call them at 1-800-799-7233. Onward and upward. Imua. Imua. Well, that's our show for today. We'd love to hear what you thought about today's discussion and if there's a case you'd like for us to cover. Find us on social media or email us at facingevilpod at tenderfoot.tv. And one small request, if you haven't already, please find us on iTunes and give us a good rating and a good review if you like what we do. Your support is always cherished. Until next time, aloha. Facing Evil is a production of iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV. The show is hosted by Rasha Pecorero and Yvette Gentile. Matt Frederick and Alex Williams are executive producers on behalf of iHeartRadio, with producers Trevor Young and Jesse Funk. Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay are executive producers on behalf of Tenderfoot TV, alongside producer Tracy Kaplan. Our researcher is Carolyn Talmadge. Original music by Makeup and Vanity Set. Find us on social media or email us at facingevilpod at tenderfoot.tv. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio or Tenderfoot TV, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now.